I always viewed the Christian hope as I know that I need to be good in order to, you know, be a Christian. I need Mm -hmm. to take what Jesus says seriously. And my hope is that I just need to endure whatever the world throws at me. I need to basically just hold on as tight as I can to Jesus and hope that I make it to the end. So basically I can get on the boat and escape. What actually is the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And are we really excited about the age-old idea of playing harps in heaven for eternity? Hey guys, welcome to your Pastor Reads Books, the podcast where you'll hear pastors from different backgrounds talk about their love of reading and the books that are shaping them to be wholehearted followers of Jesus and better givers of spiritual care to others. I'm your host, Heather Weber, and today my guest is pastor and missionary Jake Johnson. Our conversation's inspired by N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Hope, and Jake talks about his understanding of Christian hope and how it shaped his life in ministry. Jake, along with his wife Vanessa and two kids, hail from the great state of Iowa and serve as campus ministry missionaries in Botswana, Africa. They're part of an initiative to reach university campuses in Africa with the Assemblies of God World Missions with the hope to see African students become partners in the Great Commission. Jake also happens to be a fantasy fiction writer. His Kingdoms of Islandia trilogy and the prequel Fall of Adonia have been inspired by many fantasy fiction classics that have come before with his own added spin on the tale of light versus dark. I'll link those in the show notes. I hope you enjoy our conversation about heaven, Christian hope, new creation, and how we can bring a little bit of heaven to earth right now. Hey, Jake, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Hey, Heather, thanks for the invite. Uh, Super honored when you asked me to, to come on here and just share a little bit. I'm thrilled about it. You and your wife, Vanessa, are campus missionaries in Botswana, Africa. You've been there for three years. Um, You've been leading college students, teaching them about following Jesus. What has this been like for you? Yeah, honestly, I can say um, it really has been a dream come true. I I think since I was probably nine or 10 years old, I really felt like the Lord had placed this idea of being a missionary on my heart. Obviously, as a nine or 10 year old, I didn't really know what that meant or like the cost or what it would mean to bring your family overseas. But I think both Vanessa and I have just been able to just see more and more and more the faithfulness of Jesus as we have just approached people um, with an open home, with an open heart, just to share what Jesus has done in our lives and invite people to experience him for themselves. So, you know, it's one of those things, maybe when you, you, if you've grown up in church, you know, maybe some of our listeners haven't. But you, you know, you'd have the missionary come in and they'd share these amazing stories or they tell you these really cool things. And you're like, oh, man, I want to experience that in my own faith walk. Right. Um, And I think what's been cool is that it hasn't been, you know, like these great when we have seen God move so powerfully, it didn't feel like it was, you know, because we were doing anything special or like Mm. um, we were extraordinary as missionaries. But it was just witnessing what God was doing in someone else's life. Hmm. And how he was really, you know, moving in a way that it's like, I couldn't have explained it myself. And that's just been really, really encouraging to us. And I don't know if you wanted me to give any examples or how in detail you want me to go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Tell us, tell us a story. 
So maybe I'll just share one as an example that mm -hmm. happened recently. So at the end of the semester, we decided to do like a debrief with some of our student leaders. So these are basically people who are leading our different, like what we call discipleship groups on campus. And some of them had been sharing and one girl was like, yeah, you know, a couple of weeks back. And I love how nonchalant they are about like, they didn't tell us when it immediately happened like three weeks ago, they wait till like something like this. But she's like, you know, three weeks ago, I was asleep and I was having a dream. And she's like, I saw these demonic spirits like coming and attacking me and circling, encircling me. And, and I think she had mentioned that it was kind of related to some of the stress and anxiety she had like going on in her real life outside mm -hmm. the dream. And then all of a sudden she like saw through the attacks, her discipleship group. So my wife and a couple other girls on our team, but also the students who are on this team in this group with her, she saw them praying and all of a sudden mm -hmm. this light came out from their discipleship group. And it like, vanished all these demonic attacks that were coming wow. after and she woke up and she's like i just had this sense of peace all this all the anxiety that i was carrying before was gone and we had no clue you know what i mean this happened like wow. a month ago and she you know and so i we couldn't have done anything other than you know be ourselves invite this girl into our lives but it's mm. just been so cool to see her from the very first group that we had she's like yeah you know I know church is important, but I really don't like going to church and I'm not mm. sure like what to think of God to having a moment like that. And it's wow. just when you see that, it makes it all worth it. Leaving family, you know, living with the difficulties of yeah. um, a developing country and all that right. good stuff. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, um, the story you told and that the fact that you just mentioned being in a developing country, I mean, it just triggered in my mind a question because you're doing cross-cultural ministry. And so the thought I had when the, you talked about this student sharing the dream is that um, like in Iowa, like in a campus ministry, you may not have a student who'd be like, yeah, I saw all these demons in my dream. And, and, and like that would, that wouldn't necessarily sound normal, but I know that uh, culture in Botswana is different. There's like a different sensibility about like the spiritual realm. And so like, what has it been like ministering cross-culturally for you? Yeah, I think, uh, so before we arrived in Botswana, we spent a year in a country called Mozambique and we were training for campus ministry there. And I would say before we arrived in Mozambique, I was very, I would say skeptical of some of those things. Hmm. Um, and if I would be completely honest and vulnerable, hopefully we, your listeners don't crucify me. Uh, I would even say that maybe I had a, a bias to think that's just kind of maybe an African perception that gets like overplayed, if that makes sense. So like example, if someone got the flu, they might say I have the, the spirit of flu or something, you know what I'm saying? Rather than like my Western mind would be like, no, you just have the flu and you're like over spiritualizing it. But I think in the time that I spent in Mozambique, I began to realize like, one, that there is a spirit dynamic to the reality that we live in, and that it's the physical and the spiritual are not two like, completely separate realities that, you know, one invades the other mm -hmm. every once in a while, and it's super dramatic, but that like, it's a more of a holistic approach, I guess. I think it became more apparent to me that it's all about the lens that you view your world in. Mm. And if you look at the world in a skeptical lens, 
all you're ever going to see is what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to um, open your eyes and be at least open to the idea that maybe there is something more than just what you can see, you'll realize that there there is that kind of component to a lot more of our reality than maybe a typical Westerner is willing mm-hmm. willing or has ever thought of as existing before, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I think one thing that you learn in missions is we oftentimes come here with maybe like a perception of we're going to bring something to this mm-hmm. place. But uh, oftentimes the place that you serve, one, reveals a lot about yourself that you probably wish you didn't know. And it reveals some of those things that you can really grow. And I think Africa in general and Mozambique and Botswana specifically has helped me realize that like, no, there is a way to view my reality that God can be a part of the everyday, that the spirit spirit world or that dimension of reality um, is something that can be interacted with. And it mm. really comes down to, are, do you really believe you can engage in it or not? Wow. So my next question kind of tags or it kind of leaps off of that because you're talking about spiritual realities and the natural and you're, and you were talking about the student with the dream of demons and then the light that was coming from our small group. And one of the things that you've said about the trilogy that you wrote is that you have your own um unique spin on the tale of light versus darkness. And so I wonder if you could just like give your elevator speech on that or like, what is your unique spin on the tale of light versus darkness? And I assume it has something to do a little bit with the spiritual realm. Um, One thing, and it's kind of in the book today that we'll be discussing surprised by hope. I don't know if I'm getting the horse or the cart ahead of the horse here, but one of the the themes that N.T. Wright talks about is this idea of that we become more and more like what we worship and that really um, who we are becoming is a reflection of what we worship, what we trust in, what we um, model our lives after. And, And so it becomes more than just like what we say that we believe in, what we say we trust in, but our lives, who we are, what we become really reflect what we actually trust in. And so uh, the premise of the first book, especially is this idea, it's called a King's return. And there's these various kingdoms that are divided over um, basically the, the head ruler of this nation um, who's gone away and he's been away for 30 some years And so people start to think, okay, you know, I don't think this guy's coming back. You know, maybe we need to start carving this thing up for ourselves. Mm. And so some people are power hungry. Some people um, are making political moves. But there are other people who are loyal to this original ruler. And so it kind of becomes this idea of who do you trust? What do you trust Mm. in when uh, your feet are in the fire a bit? Like, are you going to lean into Um, the real true high king, even if he seems to be missing and absent, or are you going to try and carve out your own way? Hmm. Uh, And so the story, as it progresses, there are creatures and people who begin to reflect more and more, ultimately what they worship, what they trust Hmm. in. And so the the battle of good and evil becomes more about, um, do you trust that this high king who isn't always safe. He isn't always understandable. He isn't always uh, even physically present, but he is, you know, good. And he does have a purpose that he's bringing into the world. Um, 
do you trust him or do you want to make your own way? And, and so I think the story branches off, obviously, with the various characters and perspectives mm-hmm. and follows that line. But I think that's a thread that follows throughout the whole series. And so I assume that like the character characters who are like beginning to put their trust in other things, like become associated more with the darkness. Is that yeah. what you see play out? In so, the book? yeah. So eventually there are these creatures called the felled ones they're kind of like the the big baddies the orcs or you know name your fantasy fiction and it's only a slight spoiler won't ruin any story plots for you but um it's later revealed that these are actually human beings Hmm. that uh who have given themselves over to the felled king who's Hmm. kind of the main big baddie for the promise of eternal life so this felled king has the ability to make it so you can't die Um, But in return, he basically owns you and you Mm. begin to, the longer that you live under his service, you become more and more like the thing that Mm. you basically worship to escape death. Mm. Um, And so it becomes this idea of, you know, all of us want to live forever or whatever. I think every human being, whether they're Christian or not, would say, yeah, I don't don't want the, the story to end. But if your story continued, what kind of creature would you grow to be? Mm. Um, and so the question becomes, is that price worth it for these people? Or is mm-hmm. following the true high king and what he asks of us, maybe the cost of even following him, the sacrifice, mm. um, will it be worth it in the end? You know wow. what I mean? Will his gift actually be greater than what this felled king can offer? That's a really powerful question. If your story continued, what what kind of creature would you turn into or what kind of person would you be? Mm. Wow. So then um, why don't you connect us with then the N.T. Wright book, which is Surprised by Hope. Yeah. And obviously it inspired some themes in your work. How has it formed you just in your love for God and as a disciple of Jesus? Yeah, I would say, I think in following Jesus, um, you can speak for yourself. Maybe or, it's different. Or even, like- you know what? We can even back up and you can like describe the book a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. that's perfect. Um, so Surprised by Hope was, I believe, the second or third N.T. Wright book that I had read. Uh, and it reading his work really set me on a, a theological journey uh, that really helped kind of reshape and answer a lot of questions that I had. You know, we read the Bible and we're kind of like, Sometimes we just glaze over it or we say, oh, I'll come back to that later. Or this is weird. I don't understand yeah. it. And um, Surprised by Hope, I think, out of all of N.T. Wright's works, really was the catalyst that helped me. I would go so far as to say rediscover what it actually means to follow Jesus and what that hope of following Jesus mm. actually is. I would say it went that far. And so the book basically follows this premise of, um, the title Surprised by Hope is a playoff of C.S. Lewis, Lewis's book, Surprised by Joy. Mm, um, I've read it. With yeah. This idea that as Wright discovered what the actual Christian hope was, he was actually surprised by the hope that he found, that it wasn't just kind of maybe this, as he would describe, platonic um, or platonistic view that okay we're just waiting for a disembodied soul to go play harps in heaven which Mm -hmm. is kind of the big stereotype of what heaven is especially for maybe like someone who hasn't grown up in church a bunch like why would I want to go there and just yeah float on a cloud or whatever sounds so boring when you put it like that right (laughs) 
And honestly, I think if most Christians were willing to be brutally honest with themselves, they would probably be willing to say that their excitement or expectation of heaven, as they would coin it, um, didn't really light a fire in them, right? It wasn't something, it was like, I want to go to the good place. I don't want to go to the bad place, but I don't really know what to expect. Like, Mm. is it really going to be something that I'm looking forward to? I don't know if I want to sing songs all my life or, you know, for eternity. Yes, whenever Um, pastors would say that, I would just be filled with dread. It's like, we're just going to be worshiping (laughs) Jesus forever. And that my conception of what it meant to worship Jesus as just singing songs together. Yes. That filled me with dread. Yes. And so I think a lot of people live with that, with this kind of unanswered, unsatisfied, like, yeah, I know that I want to go to heaven, but I don't really know why let's say. Mm. Um, And so right really throughout this whole book, it's kind of an apologetic to one, and maybe this will catch some of you that are listening, that the Christian hope is actually not about going to a place called heaven. And in fact, the Bible never says, you know, Christians will go to heaven Mm -hmm. um, when they die. It it doesn't say that. Mm -hmm. And so he, throughout this book, describes what the actual Christian hope is. What was Jesus saying Um, when he was making some of these claims and what was Jesus actually coming to accomplish? What was the cross about beyond just um, personal forgiveness of sins? And what is the actual Christian hope um, Mm -hmm. for the future? That's kind of the big picture of the book. Um, And Wright goes on to explain, obviously, in individual chapters, um, what he believes the Christian hope is, and then also kind of tackles maybe some trickier proof texts, which um, we can maybe talk about. So what, in your words, is the Christian hope, according to Wright? Yeah. So basically, Wright builds up the idea that the bodily resurrection and new creation, as he would say, is the Christian hope. So um, going all the way back to Genesis uh, 1, this idea that God makes creation, right? And then he puts his image bearers in creation, And so the human uh, purpose was to bear God's image in creation, right? To bear his love and his goodness. So obviously with the fracturing of that relationship, uh, creation itself, as Paul says in Romans, right, is groaning. It's, It's restrained. It's restricted because human beings no longer reflect God's love and goodness into creation, that um, there's a disconnect there because of sin. And so the whole point is that Jesus as Israel's representative, Israel being um, basically God's solution for the world, right? A priestly Mm -hmm. nation that was meant to represent God to the nations, to call them back to him. Mm -hmm. And they failed um, to do so. So um, Jesus, as the Messiah, the Messiah being the king of Israel, uh, and this is what just blew my mind, was God was faithful to his end of the covenant, right? The Old Testament's kind of this story of God being faithful, Israel being unfaithful. Mm -hmm. So in order to complete the covenant, in order to bring this new creation life, God actually becomes the representative of Israel by becoming its Messiah in the person of Jesus uh, in order to fulfill Israel's end of the covenant, if that makes sense. And so God is not only faithful to his side, he actually steps in and is faithful to humanity's side in the person of Jesus. And so in the death and resurrection of Jesus, 
um, new life, new creation, especially in the resurrection, has now broken in. So basically the Jewish hope was for a bodily resurrection at the end of time. That's what they believed. That's what they expected, that God was going to vindicate his people, that when they died and they were faithful to him, he would raise them from the dead, that they would ultimately be proven to be the the persons in the right. And so Jesus being resurrected in the middle of time wasn't something that the the Jews expected. That's why they didn't understand it. That's why they didn't. A lot of them didn't accept Jesus. But for those who did, they recognized this as God was doing something completely new in vindicating Jesus in the middle of history by raising him from the dead as an assurance of what he will do hmm. for everyone that trusts him. And so, so Jesus being resurrected in the middle of time was basically God's promise of what he will do to everyone who trusts in mm. Jesus, right? So that actually becomes the Christian hope. Basically, right, would say that what happened to Jesus is meant to happen to all who trust in him, who believe in him, because in Jesus, we see what new creation life looks like. It's mm. bodily, physical resurrection that has gone through death and come out the other side hmm. with the idea that death is ultimately the real enemy, that no one can defeat death. No one hmm. had the ability. There was no one that could say, yeah, I have the answer for death, yeah. but Jesus does have it. And so he promises that if we put his life, his, uh, his way of life into practice, we are now beginning to live new resurrection, mm -hmm. new creation life. Uh, in the here and now. And so mm -hmm. it kind of, for me, I'll just kind of maybe summarize how that transformed my thinking. Yeah. Um, I think before reading this book and before really going on this journey, I always viewed the Christian hope as I know that I need to be good in order to, you know, be a Christian. I need mm -hmm. to take what Jesus says seriously. And my hope is that I just need to endure whatever the world throws at me. I need to basically just hold on as tight as I can to Jesus and hope that I make it to the end. So basically I can get on the boat and escape whatever's going to come, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think that's a really maybe uh, cartoon version of what mm -hmm. people believe. But I think most people, they take it as like their kind of heavenly insurance policy Yeah, with a deep, with a deep consideration and love for Jesus. I'm not saying that yeah. people kind of have that, but we kind of just say, okay, I just need to go to church. I need to be a good person. Yeah. I should probably read my Bible. I should probably pray. And then when I die, I get to go to heaven. Um, and I think where this book really transformed my thinking was that it completely reframed what the here and now um can really accomplish for the kingdom, if mm. that makes sense. So mm -hmm. um, if we really believe that new creation, so God wants to restore, redeem, and make whole all of creation. So the death and resurrection of Christ wasn't just for personal forgiveness, wasn't just for uh, personal forgive, uh, for personal like redemption, but it, that it was meant to break in a whole new kind of reality to live in. And that even creation can benefit from that. Romans 8 even talks about creation groans for, you know, the renewal of God's people. Mm -hmm. And because what was the original intention for us to be his image bearers in creation? Yeah. God's not abandoned that project. That wasn't like plan A and now he's moved on to plan B. 
But his whole purpose was that he wanted to restore what was lost in the first place and move that project forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that new creation life then becomes if new creation life has broken into the present, that means that anytime we really live out the truth of the kingdom, when we really practice the way of Jesus, um, we are in, in a sense, inviting the heavenly reality, God's space into our reality, right? It's a, an opportunity for those two to cross. And maybe before I hand it back to you for a second, if you have another question, another big theme that he talks about was like um, in the 18th century is when we really get this kind of spirit and supernatural and natural divide because mm. uh, people were categorizing our world left and right. Uh, what This is kind of the dawning of science, the mm-hmm. enlightenment, all these mm-hmm different thoughts and theories. And we really, as a church and as a Western world, still live in a, an enlightenment era in the sense of the way that we think, the way that we mm-hmm. categorize our world. Um, but really, that's not how Jesus, that's not how the early church viewed the world. And I think hmm. it's really cool that we kind of had the the idea of talking about the African perspective mm-hmm. in the sense of the spiritual and the physical are not these super far apart realities, yeah. if one even exists, but they are intimately tied with who we are as people, our everyday life. And so Jesus and his early followers viewed the world in the same way, that really this heaven and earth reality are not heaven is someplace in the clouds, but it's actually just another, it it sounds like a science fiction phrase if I say it this way, but another dimension or another side of yeah. our reality. That yeah. you could almost pull back a curtain, that's where heaven is. It's mm-hmm. not someplace far away, but that Mm. God's presence and reality is just the other side of the coin, Mm. if that makes sense. And so Jesus shows us what a fully heaven and a fully earth person look like, Mm. that they're not, uh, you know, these two things that can't coexist. And in fact, I don't know if most people think this way, and really this helped me start on a journey of thinking that we really can become like Jesus. That's the whole point of discipleship to him is not that Jesus is the parameter that none of us should even strive for, but that he is the working model of new creation. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, in God's age to come, that's what we will all reflect. Uh, So for me, it just really, I guess to sum up these kind of scrambled thoughts, maybe um, is this idea that, Anytime that I practice the way of Jesus, when I take his way of life seriously, I'm inviting new creation to invade my reality. I'm answering or at least actively walking in this prayer that Jesus gives Mm. us on earth as it is in heaven. And I think for me, that was just transformational because it, one, gave me purpose to my every day. Every day was an opportunity and an invitation for people to experience what the kingdom of God looks like. And then two, it really made me see the Christian hope as something that like actually could be a solution for our world. Hmm. That it, you know, it's not about ignoring injustice. It's not about and just waiting for God to clean up the Mm -hmm. mess, right? Mm -hmm. But God is inviting me to be an active participant in Mm. his restorative process to creation. And while I don't believe that it will be 100% fulfilled till the second coming of Jesus, that doesn't mean that the work that I put in now is in vain, right? What we do now matters. Right. And so we have to we just close our eyes um, 
and just, you know, sing la 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 to yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Fixes right. It. Right. Oh, I loved what you just yeah. said about, you know, we, the Christian hope can be like something we're invited into right now. And, um, and yet it won't be culminated fully. Like it won't be creation won't be fully restored. Christians believe until Jesus comes again. Right. And there will be a day when like heaven and earth will fully meet, right. The kingdom will fully be here. And this is what, this is what the culminating picture is. It's the heavenly city, right. Coming to earth. Um, but I appreciate what you said because I think often when I hear Christians talk about um, environmental concerns or, um, you know, like matter other matters of injustice, sometimes there is a sense of like a, like a fatalistic mentality about it all, or it doesn't matter because God's going to, it's all going to burn away anyway, or God's going to you know, change everything anyway. And, um, and it is frustrating. I, I didn't always have the same perspective that you're sharing, but to think that we are invited into the kind of work that Jesus did while he walked the earth to live into heavenly realities where we can be a solution to the world. It's so thrilling. It's so beautiful. And, I know that when I was a kid, I don't, did you ever hear people talk about the resurrection when you were a kid in church or in Sunday school? Okay. You're shaking your head. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I forget. This isn't on video. Yeah. I think that is where this was so transformational to me. I just felt like, man, I I missed so much growing up. Like this could have totally transformed the way I viewed my interactions in high school. It could have totally transformed the way um, that I just viewed hope in interactions with other people. The most important part was when I began to think and live out that way more. more. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that I do this well every day. Uh, There are plenty of moments where I have to think, God, help me to to live out your love towards my daughter today as having her under temper tantrum. But so I just want to say that so it doesn't sound like, oh, yeah, this is I'm walking the perfect reality. But the more and more I engage my life in that way, the more and more I just recognize and see and witness how God meets us in that, not through my perfection or my following the quote unquote rules, but by engaging in his way of life, mm-hmm. it naturally produces the fruit of the kingdom. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you read the Sermon on the Mount, that's what Jesus is saying. I used to be like, this stuff's so unattainable. What do you mean? Things like, you know, poke out your eye and cut off your arm. Yeah. And it's like, what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. But when you recognize that it's like Jesus is inviting us into a completely different way of being human, that the natural human inclination is to get revenge on your enemies, Mm -hmm. is to be petty, is to hold people in contempt or to see them as foolish and um, not made in the image of God. It's to, you know, when someone mistreats you to find a way to mistreat them back, All you know, go on and on. for our own purposes. And the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus inviting us into a new reality to actually put into practice in our lives and that it is possible, right? Yeah. That obviously his Holy Spirit helps us and guides us. But if we are willing to say like, Jesus, because of your death and resurrection, there's a totally new way forward for me. Mm. And if I really believe you, 
I'm going to put this into practice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to forgive my enemies and I'll see what you actually do, Jesus. Yeah. You know, and I right. feel not that boldness, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So how has understanding Christian hope in this way affected how you lead people to follow Jesus and, and teach people to follow Jesus? Because you are working with students who maybe have never heard the good news or they have limited understanding of what it means to be a disciple. One of the the most exciting and coolest aspects is to see a student realize like their life can matter right now. And it doesn't have to be like you need to go to Bible school for four years and understand the Bible super well. Like you, you as a, you know, business major, second year in university, mm. By just inviting your friends into a community that wants to grow in their faith, that wants to have a conversation about who Jesus is and try practicing that life and see the fruits of it. Mm -hmm. By just doing that, you are creating, you're carving out a bit of the kingdom of heaven on the Mm -hmm. university. And it's just amazing because Mm -hmm. time and time again, when students are willing to just take that little baby step of faith, of inviting a friend of having a, a serious conversation, you you just see them grow by leaps and bounds mm-hmm. in their faith because Jesus is so faithful to meet them time and time again. And like we had a student who, when I first met him, I think he actually, he, he messaged me on WhatsApp and was like, hey man, there's two girls that I'm kind of interested in. One of them's a Christian and one of them's not. Can you help me decide what I need to do? And um <laughs> I kind of just walked through that journey with him. And that was my first interaction with this guy. And that, and since then, he really got serious about his faith. He began to see the Lord speak to him. And then his family got rocked. Uh, for his own personal information, I won't share all the mm-hmm. details, but um, just horrible stuff going on in his home. And even me, I was just like, man, is this guy going to make it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um just because he he was new in his faith and really trusting mm-hmm. in God. Um, but even now, he continues to message me and just say, you know what? The Lord has helped me. He's strengthened wow. me. I don't think I could do this without him. Mm-hmm. You find out as you get to know students layer after layer, all the things that God is helping them work through. Um, and so, yeah, to bring it back to your original question, I think what's really helped me is to see that every single person uh, – can and is worthy to be equipped Hmm. with the idea that God wants to bring new creation life through them. And that together as community, as we open our homes, as we practice faithfulness to Jesus, as we speak life over over other people, new creation is breaking in all over the Hmm. place. And a lot of times students don't even recognize it at first, but then as they begin to, to witness it, they can see, wow, I really can bring change um, in a meaningful way. And I don't have to be some quote unquote spiritual giant or pastor, apostle, mega general. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like you're helping students have a sense of belief in their own part of the story, right? Mm -hmm. And bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And that's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And, you know, we're talking about you know, new creation life breaking in, but it also reminds me of the mustard seed that grows into a bush. That's how the kingdom of God is. Like it grows and it spreads. And um, 
and it happens slowly, but it happens. Uh, Jake, any last thoughts you would want to leave to someone who's listening to this conversation today and maybe their mind is getting a little, I don't know, maybe you're reorganizing some of their thoughts about resurrection and heaven. Is there anything you would want to leave with them today? Yeah, I would just say, don't be afraid to explore some of this stuff. But I think it's really, really important that we get a hold of what um, the Bible is really saying, mainly because it can really empower us in a new way. Jake, thank you so much. This is been a great conversation. Really appreciate you being here. No, Heather, I really appreciate you inviting me and it's a, a huge honor. Thanks for tuning in to my conversation with Pastor Jacob Johnson. You can follow Jake on the socials and his trilogy website. Links to those and other resources we mentioned are included in the show notes. Thanks so much for your support of season two of your Pastor Reads books. Remember, if you want to get alerts, about new episodes and season three dropping in a couple months, go ahead and subscribe at yprb.substack.com to get those things straight to your inbox. Once again, I'm your host, Heather Weber. For more information about me and my ministry, head on over to my website at heatherweber.org. That's Weber with one B. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you read a good book today.